I looked up some of your information. The last article I saw, you've been doing this for 38 years. No, actually, public address. Yes, PA for no, Michigan no. State I, Basketball. I've only done men's basketball for 13. Okay. I, right. I retired from as a director of Ralph Young Fund in 2001. Okay. 2002, I, I started doing this. Okay. And uh, 2001, the Michigan-Michigan State football game is when I was called in on a Friday night because the regular announcer had laryngitis. Okay. So Hollis called me and said, uh, we need you to work the game tomorrow. And I said, what do you mean work the game? He said, well, so-and-so's got laryngitis. And I said, well, I, Mark, I haven't worked a game in years. Don't worry, Shager will be there. You'll be fine. You'll read your script. It, we're talking about ABC, National Television, <laughs> Michigan, Michigan State game. And I haven't done PA for years. I said, okay. I didn't sleep much that Friday night. And that was the game that uh, Smoker threw the one-second pass to T.J. Duckett to beat Michigan. Right. And uh, that was my first game. Then, I, then they decided they wanted me permanently. So 2002, I started football and basketball. Okay. But radio had been my off and on my career, radio and TV. Right, because you did, you've done Lions radio for a long time. Public right? rest. No, no. Just PA for them? Yeah, Lions okay. PA for nine years. Okay. I did the Motor City Bowl for about ten. Okay. And uh, that's why the Lions came calling. They knew I, would, I had worked in their facility and had heard my work, I guess. And there was no audition, no tryout. They said, you want the job? I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what happened to the last guy? Uh, well, and here's a great thing to remember. If you ever want to make somebody feel good, here's the, what the guy said to me. You know, we hosted the Super Bowl here a couple of years ago in Detroit. I said, yeah, I know. He said, well, then we found out what a good announcer sounds like. And I said, and you want me? He goes, yeah. I said, wow. It took me all of three seconds to say yes. NFL came calling when I'm celebrating my 50th high school reunion. I said, is that a time to start a new career? <laughs> hey, it's better than sitting home, you know, doing a scrapbook. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, but broadcasting was is always in my blood. I was a student like you at Michigan State in the late 50s and uh, wanted to do play-by-play. And I would get permission to walk up the ramp at Jenison. If you haven't done it, you've got to do it. Take a trip up the stairs in the corner and then go up and across the catwalk and down this, and, and it's just cables and steel. There's no fancy stairs. And then the, then you walk up again then come down into little booths that hang over the, the stands but that's where the real broadcasters were. The student, like myself, I had to go out on a wooden platform and just set up my reel-to-reel -reel tape recorder and practice play-by-play -play with, you know, kind of leaning over and <laughs> kneeling on a box. I mean, it was... But then you, you practice your trade and you rehearse and you listen to it and see what you did wrong and what you would have done better and how can you improve and let other people listen to you. And, 
That's, that's how it all starts. Right. Anyway, uh, way back in those days, I think I did the first radio. It might have been news broadcast on MSU student radio. Brody with WBRS, Brody Radio, way back in one of the uh, dorms in Brody Group when we first came on the air, and that had to be 19, fall of 1956. I was living in Bryan Hall, and uh, any chance I could get on the air, I took it. You know. Johnny Green lived in our dorm, who was a, one of my all-time great heroes at, at Michigan State. And I would practice interviewing with Johnny, and he would practice being interviewed. You know, he went on to a 14-year career in the NBA and uh, was an All-American at Michigan State. But he was raw in terms of what kinds of things he could do to sound better. And I was practicing the techniques, and we had fun. He remembers very distinctly sitting in my dorm room at Bryan Hall. That's anyway, that was a long time ago. That's very cool. Uh, so how did you... They just, so there was no tryout for this job either? No. No? And how did they, they just came to you and said, do you want the job mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Simple, right? What's been your favorite game to call? You mean one particular game that stands yeah. out? Oh boy. Well, I guess any time you beat Michigan. Uh, you know, if you're a true Spartan, any time you beat Michigan is, is a good game. Uh, well, we beat them by 50 or 52 here one night. And it's almost ridiculous when it's that simple and that easy. But that's, that's pretty much a favorite. Now, in terms of importance, there are other ones towards the end of the season. I, I honestly can't pick out one. Um, yeah, I'll tell you what was fun is going back to Jenison when we, two years ago, when we played the 50-year uh, anniversary game mm -hmm. uh, that Loyola played in the NCAA tournament, right. where the team came up from the South, first time the black players had ever played uh, in the North. And we, you know, when Michigan State played Tuskegee, and uh, I got to go back and do PA at Jenison, at the old scoring table. Actually, it wasn't the same table, but in the same location where I was a student. That was cool. That was fun. In fact, as you, I don't know if you were around then, Andrew, but the Commodores did a concert in connection. There was an alumni game on the night before, on Friday night. All, you know, Spartan players. I did the PA on that. Then the next night was a concert for an hour with the Commodores. And then, because they were, they were doing recordings 50 years ago when the game was played. And, oh, no, I'm sorry. The, they were all graduates of Tuskegee. Okay. That's where they came from. Gotcha. And Tuskegee was playing Michigan State. Right. And so I got, they, they told me, I didn't know until that night. I was introducing them on the stage, not on at the scorer's table. And so I got my Michigan State uh, letter jacket, the honorary uh, varsity jacket, wore my Block S jacket on stage. And the guy's prepping me before I know. Now be sure you say the one and only you know, national recording artist. 17 Grammys, well, and I had to, you know, pull, pull my mail. And, and I'm watching them. They're all in their great sparkly uniforms and, you know, uh, costumes to sing before I And they're doing calisthenics and they're boxing and they're shadow boxing and jumping up and down. They're getting ready to go sing. 
what has this got, you know, and yet, and you know, you wonder why David Letterman runs across the stage and then comes out. It, he's getting himself, and I think, I'm, this is me, prepping to get himself pumped up to do the game. You know, they don't, you don't just walk out and be funny. You, you, you got to kind of psych yourself up. And so I got to see what the, the rock stars do. And that was fun to do that Commodore's intro. And then, uh, then go back and do the basketball game, which was so totally different. Right. But anyway, I've had a lot of great experiences. You know, I've been yelled at by the by Izzo and, and everybody else, and that's part of the job, too. What do you yell at you for? Oh, it, different things. It isn't all my fault, of course. <laughs> but when he's hot, he doesn't care who's at fault. <laughs> he's he's going to get the whole scores table. It, it might have been a timing error. It, it might have been uh, we had the wrong player with a foul. It might have. Usually, it, it's, a, it's a technical problem. And I guess I'm the first guy he recognizes. So he. Gary, oh, really? I go, Tom. And I point my air, my finger down to the other guys. <laughs> but it's nothing personal. But uh, I'll tell you one of my favorite things in 13 years is, you know, Tom likes to give a little honor, in a sense, to a player by introducing him, by having me introduce him last. It's, it's a very small thing. And yet, Tom is into detail, as any great coach is. Go down to the last detail. So I go over to this, you know, when he's sitting there 15 minutes before the tip-off, and I get my rundown of players, and I'm saying, I assume you're going to start so-and-so and so-and-so. He said, no, where have you been? So he got the flu, he's sick, he can't play, so-and-so. Oh, okay. So I just go, who's starting? And I say, who do you think? You know, and so every night it's a different, it's a jousting thing. I said, well, I think Trice, Valentine, uh, Dawson, and Schilling, and whoever, and he goes, yeah, you're right. I said, who do you want to go last? Well, we usually go to the seniors, you know, Trice or Dawson. But if he wants to give somebody a little perk because they played good the last game, let's go with Schilling, let's go with Valentine. The other night he said, let's go with Bess, could be the only time he starts this year, or whatever it might be. And, uh, and so you get a little insight. And the funny thing is, Andrew, while He's talking to me. He's watching the other team warm up. He's, he's, he one time, I'm, he said, yeah, let's go with Schilling. That's 25 straight they've just made. What was your question? And, and, he, and his mind is going, he said, oh, and he'll go, oh, we got him as a referee. Oh, no. He, he'll call this, watch Terry, he'll, go, he'll call this six times in a game. And then, he, you know what he did the last game in Illinois? And he's, he's, his mind is just going, skip, 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 skip. Meanwhile, here comes a guy with a recruit, or here comes a parent that he wants to talk to, or a media person. He can do, I tell you what, talk about five or six things at the same time. And I'm always amazed. And I say, okay, thanks, Tom. I'll see you later. And I get, my, get out of there. But it's three minutes or four minutes, and it's the highlight of my night because I get to find out you know, who's sick, who's hurt, who's not playing well, who he's worried about. In fact, Texas Southern, he said, they're supposed to be a bad shooting team. They're one and eight. He said, they have just made seven threes in a row. How does he know that? Because, but anyway, that's part of the fun, uh, the brief fun you have during the game. Anyway, so what? Does it get, uh, 
Does it get frantic down yeah. there? Oh yeah. At some points. It, yeah. Basketball is so at this level is so quick, and the players are so athletic that three, four things happen at the same time, and when the referees have to sort it out. And meanwhile, we're not. We can't do anything until we know what their call is. And so, yeah, I don't have, and I don't have any help. Football, I'm up in a booth with six people. I got a spotter, I've got a communicator, I've got a Big Ten rep behind me, and he'll be saying, the clock has to restart, two seconds on the clock because so and so. And so I'm, I know what's happening, and other people are helping me. Down here, I have nobody. Bob uh, Armstrong has to run all the video on the screen, so he has his mind completely on that. Then I have the script, which he says, skip page five, we're gonna go start scratch the cheerleaders, we're gonna go to the dance team. Or we're, gonna, we're not gonna serve peasants pasta tonight. The Tropo commercial is going to have uh, borson sauce on a steak, whatever it may be. So I'm kind of looking down, writing things on, on the script. Meanwhile, the game might be going on and I might miss a shot. And, I, and if I do, hopefully, the scorer, official scorer, will say that was Valentine or whatever. And if he's looked down, he misses it. Now we're going <coughs> looking for help. And sometimes you just don't announce it. If there's a pause and you don't hear anything, it's because we don't know. Now, we don't want that to happen often. Because my, the way I interpret the PA job is, is be accurate, be timely, and don't interfere with the game. Don't intrude on the game. Let the fans see the game and don't get in their way. Now, if they want to know, if you're, you know, wait, why are we waiting so long? Why are the referees? And I'll finally, I'll say there's a, a ruling or a, a replay of the two-point shot or three-point shot. I'll try to give an explanation so that the crowd does, ah, okay. Fill them in on what they don't know. What they do know, let them figure it out and get out of the way. If a guy's going for two shots on a free throw line, and I say Dawson goes to the line for Michigan State, he will shoot two. After he makes the first one, I don't have to say he gets the second one. They've already known that. Or in a bonus, if I say he's shooting one and one and he makes the first, I don't say, and he gets the bonus. They know that. So I, I don't want to insult the intelligence of, of the fans and uh, so I don't get in the way. A lot of people do that. They tell them everything. Well, but you can see most of it and you see the score. You don't have to see the score, tell them the score. Uh, so be quick, be accurate, and shut up. You know, <laughs> get in and get out. That makes sense. Uh, that's funny. So you're still gonna do, uh, you're still gonna do PA for Lions do and for both for footballs? Yeah, Michigan State. Okay. And Lions. Very good. What are you going to do with your other free time? I'm going to Florida. I'm going to play golf. <laughs> In the villages where I go, there are 42 golf courses within uh, 14 miles. They're all on, a, on our property of the villages. And uh, it's a retirement, largest retirement community in the world. And a huge Michigan State club. So I'll get in a lot of club activities. We have one night. It's called Sparties Smarties. Once a week, uh, we, we go to a, a local uh, establishment and uh, tri play trivia. Very good, they're really good people, good questions, and so I'm on that team. And then I'll, we'll, we'll do a lot of things. I'm going on a cruise with a bunch of Michigan State people. Uh, I, here, I made some notes here, I was gonna tell you something. 
You know, you say you, you should have said, Andy, what's one of the changes you've seen in 13 years <laughs> at Fresno? I was getting there. Okay. Yeah, you were. <laughs> well, to answer your question, you didn't ask. The technology has upgraded so much. You know, now we have the ribbons, the electronic ribbons, right, around right. here. Munn just put them in. I think they just started. And that's been great for the fans. But when 13 years ago, we didn't have that. We didn't have the scoreboard in the center. I think it was at the ends. And we didn't have all the technology of the video before the introductions. The first time that we introduced the Michigan State team in the dark, because now we can turn the lights out. Why is that? Why couldn't we do that before? I don't know. You're a smart guy. You should know. <laughs> because the lights didn't come back on fast enough. It oh, took yeah, them 10 yeah, minutes allergies. to warm up, the old Mercury's. Mm -hmm. Now these lights come on instantly. So now, good, we can turn them out, make it a little more show business. KP, the director of operations, Kevin Pogger, loves the show business, loves the video, loves the music, you know, get the fan. And I, I agree with that. I, I think that's terrific. If you lose that, you, you, the fans don't get entertained. It should be part of the show. But uh, the lights go out, and I'm about to do the start, and I can't see. I got nothing down here. I, we forgot that when the lights go out, we don't have a light on the scorer's table. And I... And uh, Bob had to grab his uh, iPad and light it up. And the, so the next game, I got my little flashlight down there. So now I can see. So the next person that comes along has to remember, here's an important job doing PA at Michigan State. Bring a flashlight. <laughs> if you're going to do this job, you better be equipped. Uh, technology. Oh, here's the other thing. And you, I bet you didn't notice this. Anytime an arena, football or basketball, upgrades their facility, their scoreboards, their video boards, whatever it may be. If they haven't had the reading, the, the print on the screen for the hearing impaired, they must put it in. So people who come to the game who are deaf or very hard of hearing can't hear what the PA says, but they can read it. They know where to go. In, in this case, you and I are looking up here to our left. Right to the right of where it says fouls and timeouts, mm -hmm. there will be a block, a black block, and then they'll write in whatever I say. Wow. Now, the first time that happened was at football. A couple of years ago when we installed the new speakers right. at Spartan Stadium, I looked up, and my son is my spotter, and Chris said, Dad, look, they're, they're writing what you say. And realize how badly they're doing it. Because I might say tackle by Shalik Calhoun, and up there, it's spelling Shalik, you know, like C-H-I-L-I-K-E-E, -E, you know. And, and I'm going, I mean, meanwhile, I'm distracted because I'm supposed to be watching the game and I'm watching what I'm said. Or what's, what they, here's how it works. Here's the great thing. Now, this is something your radio audience never knew. When this happens, when that writing goes up there, how does it happen? Who does it? Guess what? That mic, my mic, is hooked to a telephone line, just like a radio broadcast would be, and it goes to a, a control room. I've heard it's in Denver. And now, in the control room, a person is sitting there with a headset on, directly listening to my mic, and typing on a computer everything I say. So I say, basket by Valentine, they write to basket by Valentine, boom, it shows up. There's a delay, but not much, they're pretty fast. But imagine this room in, in your mind, there might be 15 basketball games going on across the country, and there are 15 people all sitting there listening to one guy you know, in Seattle or in Baltimore or in, in East Lansing, 
and some of their, their spelling, and, and some of the times, there'll be a timeout on the floor, and it'll be a, and up there, it'll say, there's a time. And that's all it says, there's a time. <laughs> what about out on the floor? But, you know, maybe they had a brain fart, <laughs> or whatever it may be. The point is, how odd that what I say has to go out of East Lansing, all the way to Denver, back to East Lansing, and up on the screen. All in a split second. And now, if the person's good, I'm amazed because I wow. They, I said three or four things. Now into the game for Michigan State. Schilling playing for Costello. Uh, Trice is in for Tum Tum Nairn. And the three-point shot was, and, and all of that, perfect. I was, ooh. But normally, that's not the case. So now as a fan, sit at Breslin tonight, or the next game you go to, and, and watch that little scoreboard corner and see how closely they copy what I actually say <laughs> and what is printed. <laughs> a lost art. Here, if you want a job, you don't have anything to do, try listening to somebody and typing as, the, as they say it. <laughs> the old stenographer. Yeah, that's... That's, that's a new that's twist to... Uh, but any arena that upgrades their facilities has to have it. And I'm, by the way, I'm not making fun, but I, I think it's a great service for those right. who can't hear absolutely no yeah that is funny that yeah <laughs> it seems like the kind of thing that like an intern Attention, could do all you know what i mean yeah <laughs> well you better be able to type and understand the game right yeah okay well that's the thing is it, it helps if you if you know what's going on in the gym um you know what's ironic i wrote this note down for you where we sit right now mm-hmm. Breslin center is located on the exact plot of land that as a radio TV major, this is where I went. The Quonset huts were right here. They were old World War II barracks and the TV studios were here. And so, yeah, as a student, and then when I came back to work for WKAR in 1964, my first job was here in the TV. We produced a show called Spartan Sportlight, half hour TV show, once a week. And uh, then the radio, WKR radio, had a booth in the, in the corner of our office, so we would go live every night, 5.30, 6.30, from here back to the auditorium. WKR was, and the radio and TV, both from the Quonset Huts, which no longer exist, and now Breslin sits right on the same plot of ground. No kidding. That's strange, isn't it? Yeah, that's funny. A little history for you. Yeah. What, uh, do you ever get any grief from the, uh, what's, or this is a question I always like to ask from the front row people. What's the uh, craziest thing you've heard yelled from the student section? Ha! <laughs> well, let me begin. As clean as possible. Well, let me begin by saying I love the students. I mean, I was a student myself. I love them because they bring such energy and fun and now, yeah, they can be obnoxious, but that's what Tom wants. I mean, to, to, he doesn't want classness, classy. What's classy students? Well, usually it's your shoestrings untied or, you know, a nice haircut. And try to get them thinking about anything but the game. Or, you know, hey, what's the little guy's name, Gary? Gary Coleman. Coleman. You know, they could, occasionally they'll call somebody a Gary Coleman. But uh, 
you know, I can't bring one cheer or one thought to mind, but they are hilarious. And, and it, it's, it may be once a game, something really clever comes up because I, I got one headset on, I'm listening, because I, I don't want to hear all they're saying, but, but sometimes you can't help it. And, and there is a guy behind me who is, who's into the game, but you know, they get on the coach, hey, hey, all that stuff. But they're good. And, and I, I, God bless them. My, my son, who went to Michigan State, was in the zone. And he's a lawyer now, went to Michigan State Law School. But he would sit over there behind Dick Vitale and, uh, when he was here. And, and they were clever, they were funny, they, were, they had great signs, you know. I love the students, I really do. Some of the pictures they put up are as funny as some of the things they say. I mean, you look at some of the goofy, why, why are you dressed like a chicken with a, you know, or on an ape or whatever. I have, there's no connection with the sport of basketball, and yet they draw attention to themselves with the, the spandex men. I'll tell you who my favorites. My favorites were the two uh, Ditka guys. Well, the, the, they wore the straw uh, hula skirts and the Ditka mustache. <laughs> Those two guys, yep. they came back for a reunion the other, the Izzo reunion they have once a year. And they came back, they're now in their 30s. And, and they looked exactly like they did when they were students. They were just older, but they're still funny. The Bears, the, you know the two guys that did the Saturday night thing, uh, yeah, the, the Bears. The two Ditka guys, uh, uh, Butkus and the Ditka. <laughs> uh, Ditka. <laughs> if God played the Bears, and. And the Ditka and, and was against the entire Los Angeles Dodgers. Oh, oh, oh Ditka. Those guys. Yeah. Oh. Uh, what's your favorite? Do you have a favorite Izzo moment? I know you've talked a lot about the the the, the pregame stuff, but maybe him getting on a referee or him with a with a particular player or anything like that. No, I, I think Tom. He's at his best, and he wouldn't like me to say this, but senior night, when the players come over and give them a big hug at, after the last time on the court, you know, it started with Cleves, but it could be anybody. When they come off the floor and they know they're not gonna play here anymore, that's my, because he cares so much about them that you know that He's feeling good, he's feeling bittersweet, he's happy, he's sad. You know, usually it's after a victory. What's, I don't know, what's our winning percentage here, 85, 90%? It's almost always after a victory. But on senior night, when the families come out, I think that's my favorite Izzo time, because it's a true, true coach, dad, coming out in him. I, mean, I like him when he's hot, when he gets mad, I like that too, or stops. In fact, I'll tell you what, this year, I had a favorite moment already. And it was preseason, obviously pre-Big Ten. Uh, Marvin Clark, who's going to be a great player before he's done here. Well, Clark was scoring, he, remember he would, you couldn't miss a three, he was rebounding, he was doing everything. Well, but then he celebrated so much after a, a slam dunk that he got a technical, or he got a foul call. Oh, Tom pulled him out. And he came over, 
and he made the most impassioned speech to Tom. I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't only, I was only, I didn't mean it, Coach. And, and Tom didn't get a word in. Tom's looking up at him, looking up at him, looking at him. Finally, he just broke out in a big laugh and goes, oh, sit down. And later I said, Tom, I, I asked him afterwards, I said, Tom, I said, that Clark moment with you, he said, I couldn't help it. The guy was so apologetic. He understood completely where I was coming from. I didn't have to say a word to him. He says, he just blew me away. And I said, yeah, that's fun. When the players can get into his head, because usually he's into theirs, you know? So those are the rare little times. And up there in the top row, you can't see that. That's the fun about being down here. Uh, that's the little upside. There's a lot of downside. Because, you know, these are big bodies in front of you. Plus two or three referees that don't move enough. And you can't see who made the tip in or who got the foul called on them. So there's a lot of yeah, asking somebody else what just happened. And hopefully that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't happen very often. All right. Anyway, well, I'm looking forward to uh, getting out of here and listening to somebody else do my job. But I will miss it, Andrew. I would just say this. There's nothing like it. And the further you, you get away from East Lansing, the more you realize how good it is here. And uh, when I get down to Florida, I'll be going to these game watches or I'll stay at home and I'll yell at the referees like everybody else. Because when, when you're down here, you gotta be professional. And, I, and that's what I always wanna be. And the hardest times is when you're losing and you still have to maintain an amount of professionalism. Let's show, let's Michigan State show some class. Cause I know I represent Michigan State when I'm on the mic. And I, I want us to come off good in every way possible. And, and I hope the next person who takes that job feels as passionate about it as I do. And I, I think they, they will, whoever it is. And, and, uh, and I'll look back and say, well, I had my fun. I had my 13 years. It's time to let somebody else pick it up. Very good. So you don't know who's, who's taking over for you? No. I don't think they've selected a permanent okay. person yet. But that's, you know, that's not my job. When I'm done, I'm done. Football come down the road. Very good. Okay? Very good. Thank you. Thank you.